Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unnees. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. Happy summer now. We're officially in summer. And Megan, you have done a little bit of summer traveling, I hear, through the grapevine. That was you telling me. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I'm like, you knew about it before she went, while she was there, when she got back. <laughs> yeah, so we went to New York with my family, my, my kids, and my husband, and my husband's parents. So my mother-in-law recently completed like six rounds of chemo and then let us know she'd never been to New York. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I live in Pennsylvania, so it's very, very easy to get to New York. It's just like a train ride that's less than three hours. So I was like, well, we're going to go to New York because I, I just think you need to go. And it was a lot of fun. And luckily we stayed pretty close to Koreatown and I got some recommendations, Patreon, and went to one of the places recommended, which was Kunjip and for korean barbecue and i have to say it was so much fun it was extremely delicious and so much fun so it was the six of us at a table it was the barbecue little grill thing in the center they don't uh they didn't let us cook ourselves <laughs> it's probably a, a, an america thing they're like oh we're not letting these people you know we have we have a local one where we get to cook yeah <laughs> same same they just saw you and they were like, not, not her. They knew who they were looking at. So um, it's funny too, because they had like the scissors out and it's just like, my husband's like, I've never seen anyone like cut meat with scissors. And I was like, I know it's like that. But in like in K-dramas, they like, you know, get out the kitchen shears and cut the meat. And it makes good sense though, because it's thin meat. They're not like hacking at like a I know, but like, I've never seen you know, anyone <laughs> like cut the meat over the grill. Like, yeah. Um, but it was so good. Um, so many side dishes. I mean, <laughs> our, our table, there was like no room because there were just so many side dishes. And um, I tried to order. I basically told everyone at the table, I was like, I'm ordering. Like, just let me handle this. Because, of course, they were like, we don't know what to order. And so I ordered some like barbecue, um, like combo things. So we got like um, some beef. We got um, pork belly. And then we also got some chicken, mostly for my kids. My kids loved it. They thought it was fantastic. Of course, my son's like, can I just eat the lettuce? And I was like, yeah, like the 50 cent lettuce. Sure. I mean, fill up on that. Jesus Christ. To wrap it all in? Like, like just, just eating the sheets of lettuce. Like, oh, my God. How about you eat the, like, expensive meat? But um, we ordered japchae, which was amazing. And then we ordered dakboki. And look, I've had dakboki. Spicy? It was spicy dakboki. Yeah. Which I've had before. But it was nothing like that it was so good i could not stop eating the duck bogey like we absolutely cleaned that plate and it wasn't like i just feel like korean spice to me is so flavorful so it doesn't like feel super hot in a way that i don't know some other spicy foods do you know what i mean so it was just delicious the meat was amazing it was really fun like i think 
the whole family kind of just enjoyed it. There's just kind of so much to like look at because again, there's so much food and so many different things to try. You know, like my mother-in-law had never had kimchi and she really liked it. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, by the time we, after we ate, a lot of things were like closed down in Koreatown and they also had just had the pride parade. So Koreatown was packed because the pride parade literally went down like the street. It's, it's off. So um, you know, tons of like rainbow wearing um, uh, par uh, parade goers were, were around and some of the stores were closed down like the K-pop store, but there was um, a barbecue chicken store and I took a video for Amy and Leah because it was really funny. They had like TVs outside to advertise the chicken shop and I forget now which one it was. I think it might have been like the BBQ chicken or maybe it was the Bando chicken. I don't remember, but they had like the scene from Crash Landing on You where Chisu's like, you know, he would like have that job where he was like delivering fried chicken, but then he stops and eats it. And then they also had like a whole ad of Lee Min Ho just like <laughs> eating this delicious chicken. I, I got so excited. Like we're literally walking on the sidewalk. Sidewalk is packed. Like the whole area is packed. And I stopped the whole family. <laughs> And I'm like, you just wait, you just wait right there. I need to take a video of this TV. Yes. And I was like making no apologies. I was like, I have to take a video of this TV. I don't care what you do. Um, <laughs> That's like me stopping my kids in the mall so I can take pictures with ads with Gong Yu and Hyun Bin. Exactly. exactly. So I got a video. So, it was, but it was really, really fun. Um, I, you know, I want to go again, like say like during the day when a little bit more things are open. Um, this was also on a Sunday. So yeah, we had a really great time. And again, the, the whole restaurant experience was what I wanted it to be. You know what I mean? I wanted it to be fun. I wanted to be able to try a lot of different food. Um, and, and we did, it was, it was great. You know, Hazel was very excited because she got to, she like said Anyang when we left and, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, it's always really funny when we record because at the end of every show we say Young, and half the time Hazel's like, that's like her cue that her mom has been released back into the wild. <laughs> She's wait, waiting at the door. <laughs> yeah, she like busts open my door and she goes, I heard Young," and like Amy and Lee always laugh because yeah, she like knows that's the end. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was just a really good experience. I want to thank the people on Patreon and, um, other places on Facebook who gave me some recommendations. I basically kind of went with what was open and what I could get a reservation for, but it was absolutely worth it. So if you're ever in New York city and want to go to Koreatown, it was Kunjip and that's, so it's K-U-N-J-I-P, uh, restaurant and, you know, barbecue, Korean barbecue restaurant. And it was, it was great. It was so much fun. That's awesome. I was in New York City for Pride Weekend in 2019, and it's a very, like, exciting, just, like, very vibrant time. So it's, I mean, even even with stuff closed, it sounds like it was probably, like, just really fun. Oh, atmosphere. it was. It was really cool. Hazel loved it. Or both both my kids loved it. They loved to see everyone, um, you know, waving the flags, wearing the, wearing, you know, rainbow stuff. And then the Empire State Building was lit up in Pride colors. That's awesome. And it was so pretty yeah everywhere we went i i didn't i don't know why i didn't like look it up i don't know what i was i don't know i, I guess i thought pride weekend in new york city was going to be earlier in the month so i didn't even look it up i wish i would have because then maybe i would have like tried to like plan pride events like in our schedule but i didn't know it's fine it's fine it was so yeah. really fun to walk around after the parade and like see all the because i mean obviously some people have like really elaborate costumes so that was really fun yes yeah 
It is fun. We went to, so we were there and we knew we were there for Pride Weekend. And we went to this place in Washington Square um, around that area called Big Gay Ice Cream. Oh. Yeah. And it's really fun. And you get like a big cone. It's soft serve vanilla and they just like dunk it in the rainbow sprinkles oh that's so fun yeah oh well good i'm glad it was yeah it was it was a great time we had a, we had a really nice time we were only there for like four days which was you know kind of that's a good amount of time for that's new a york. hefty trip yeah it's like new trip. york city i don't know if i lived if i lived as close to new york as you did i feel like i'd be there all the time because i just i freaking love broadway and i would go to shows all the time yeah. i'd be very i'd be very 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 poor yeah, I mean, <laughs> really get to, it's a train ride. Uh, yeah. again, like I said, only three hours is really easy to get to, but yeah, New York is so freaking expensive. So, I mean, insanely expensive. <laughs> Their sales tax is more than our state, um, just everything. So. <laughs> well, this has now gotten riveting. I really appreciate the tax breakdown. <laughs> hey, hey, I thought of I thought of a good I thought of a good transition. Okay, go ahead. Actually, yeah. I have something that I do want to say before we get to the oh, okay, oh, okay. And- it's probably going to ruin my segue, but that's okay, fine. <laughs> make your, well, this is, I feel like it's important. I really do feel oh, like it's I'm important. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. So the other thing I just want to acknowledge, I think on behalf of the podcast too, is that we have been going through, um, you know, we, even though I'm in Australia at the moment, we are three Americans and um, you know what? I am not really too nervous about like moving into political spaces sometimes on a podcast like ours, even though we have an entertainment focus. And I just want to acknowledge that, you know, we are really well aware that this has been a very difficult time for um, lots of people in the U.S. And there's a lot of fear and like uncertainty that's coming up now that we've seen, you know, the courts strike down Roe v. Wade. And now as I was thinking about because you were talking about pride, too, and like, you know, pride the importance of what it means to to come together as a community and support all types of people who are right now living with um, a lot more uncertainty and fear that they than they have had before. And the idea that we could be looking to roll back, um, you know, vital rights that are important to everyone's well being. And so I just wanted to also say that, like, absolutely, I think it would just be I just want to make sure that we take a little bit of time to first, like, acknowledge that, but then also say that, I even now more, and this sounds weird, but I really truly believe it, feel like having spaces like the podcast to like have fun, talk about, you know, entertainment that brings us happiness, things like that. I actually feel like, you know, joy is a part of resistance too. And so I'm really hopeful that we can continue to be a space, um, even though I'm not making it fun at the moment, where it can feel like a place that can be like fun and to recharge too, because it's going to be an exhausting time. (laughs) And, you know, it has been. For so many reasons, which is like how the podcast began too, was like coming out of like COVID and kind of like how, you know, 2020 just like took us all and, you know, made everything a lot harder. And I'm just, I'm really hopeful. And one of my goals and like commitments, I think, is that, you know, we want to continue this and we want to keep going and make sure that we're also providing. I mean, like, I sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do to support people. I don't know what to do to help. I can like donate. I can, you know, I can make a difference on a small scale as an individual person. Yes, I know it matters, but like it does, it does feel overwhelming. And so I do feel like this is something that we can do is try to be a place where people can like recharge and like recalibrate and just fill up the gas a little bit for free without it being $6 a gallon, you know, as we move forward. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to just mention that too, because that's been on my mind a lot this week. And, um, and so, yeah, I just thought this would be a good way to throw it out before messing up Amy's segue. So segue now. Go ahead. 
No, actually, I think that's I think that's even better because you're talking about you know you're like you want a space to have fun even though you're not talking about fun stuff right now. And you know what's not fun? <laughs> Prison. There you go. There you go. But you know who makes it fun? The cast of Prison Playbook. <laughs> oh my gosh. That wasn't that wasn't my initial segue, but I'm glad that you said what you said, Leah. Yeah. That Thank was you. pretty good. Yes. Pretty good. I do appreciate that. I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was a great segue. But thank you, Leah, for saying all that elegant. Eloquent. Eloquent? That's what it, eloquent. I said elegant. <laughs> In the eloquent way that you did. She's elegant. She's elegant too. Yeah. I prefer elegant. I mean, I'm absolutely elegant. I haven't even brushed my teeth yet this morning. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is the joy of podcasting is that we don't care i don't care if you didn't brush your it teeth. is morning here in australia but you know <laughs> just put, put that disclaimer in that it is morning where you are and <laughs> i will brush it before lunch okay anyway i don't know how much toothbrushing happened in prison playbook i don't feel like i saw a lot but i'm gonna just assume that was happening off screen. no they did it a lot in their bathroom their little bathroom oh you're right you're right time. that little bathroom with their pri- their private bathroom in the cell. We're we're gonna get to it. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get to the private bathroom in the cell. Okay. So, if there's one thing we've learned in our K drama watching journey, it's that we love a good ensemble story, especially when it's directed by Shin Wan Ho, director of the Reply series and Hospital Playlist, and written and written by Jung Bo Hoon, a co-writer of Reply 1988, with head writer Lee Woo Jung. And basically, K-Drama Land knows a good writer-director team when they see one, which results in heartwarming dramas that make us laugh, cry, think, and swoon. So naturally, the next place we'd look for all of this is in prison? Yes, in prison. Prison Playbook, that is. Prison Playbook is a TVN drama on Netflix that aired over the 2017-2018 season starring Park Hae-soo as Kim Jae-hyuk, South Korea's best relief pitcher, who was on the cusp of heading to the States for his big career break in the major leagues when he unexpectedly finds himself spending a year in prison where he becomes the target of more than one baddie. It's a year of survival, of soul-searching, of friendship, and even a little romance. But before we get to all the spoilers and the star-studded cast... Can we please start with a little mini I have questions about prison? What was something about any of Jaehyuk's prison cells that made you scratch your head and wonder if prison in South Korea is more sauna than slammer? I feel really, I feel like you keep making it seem like I don't know if I felt like it was as sauna as you made it sound, but like, okay, fair point. They're not, don't, it gets more serious. You read the script. It gets more serious. But in the very beginning, in the very beginning, I'm like, do they all have flat, big flat screen TVs in their cells? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know about prison in the U.S. either. So I'm like coming at this from a very ignorant standpoint. But I tried Googling like what is prison like in South Korea and did not find a lot. So okay. I just want to know what y'all think. Well, here's something. So I did look up a little bit and I did something that jumped out to me right away is that if you go onto the Korean Correctional Service webpage, that's part of South Korea's Ministry of Justice, the first thing you see at the top is rule of law and correctional services built on trust guarantee bright and hopeful futures. And look, I'm not going to weigh in yet, like you said, on the actual prison system of South Korea, because besides having watched like a few dramas set in jail, that doesn't seem like a great... Um, no, not at all. That's life. why I'm not... 
I'm not making a judgment on South Korean prison. I'm just looking at what we are shown in this drama. But I did feel like that kind of like plucky uh, rehabilitation message that they kind of like put on the website. I felt like that was echoed very much in the um, in the drama because we see like slogans like that basically all around the prison right and we've got that like soothing female like over speak like speaker who like is constantly like you know giving messages of like you know hope and pluck which i thought was interesting like that that one woman you know the disembodied voice that would gently coo you know updates (laughs) (laughs) um and then but also just as like this is a little bit of a uh a non sequitur, but I thought something that was interesting was that while I was trying to like look up a little bit more about like what South Korea prison systems are actually like, um, you know, learning that it's classified um, as abolitionist in practice, which means that the government, you know, officially has the death penalty on the books, but it has not um, executed a criminal since 97. And so, um, you know, while it's like, you know, still around, it's not being put into practice. But overall, I thought that in watching the drama, I felt like it was less of like a sauna and more of just like a talent competition. Because like how many I was just gonna say, like there's singing competitions, like how many competitions were there? Like more than I've ever seen in any prison show, that's for sure. And all I can think of is now when I think of prison playbook, I think of I did it, ma. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dr. Ko. I just I think what really got me in the very beginning was the TV and they're just like watching about like his trial on the TV. And I'm like, is this for real? Like it's this nice flat screen TV. Sure. They don't get to pick what channels on until they, you know, until they happen upon a remote later. But like, I don't know that just, I don't, it really threw me. And then the private bathroom threw me and the shelves and shelves of like trinkets and goodies. And I don't know. It didn't, it didn't seem, it's prison. It's terrible. I get it. Yes. But this is also a drama. I kind of wanted to hang out there a little bit. Uh, Well, uh, I do have one comment about the TV though. And it may just be that we're old because I don't think it's that it's a flat screen. I think that's just how TVs look now. No, it's not that it's a flat screen. Dude, I have the fucking TV in my house. Coming from, they have, coming like, from the woman who watches everything on her phone. I have a big TV like that in my living room. What I'm saying is, is that a norm to have in a prison cell? A TV. A TV. Just, a TV. Through the flat screen detail was funny. <laughs> it could, It you know what? Because they should have like the old, I don't even know what you call the old ones. The, the tube. The tube. The tube, tube TV. Tube TV. Right. Well, just this is like just an aside uh, about our New York trip. We went to the 9-11 Museum and they were show. obviously you walk in and they're showing clips of um, 9-11, like the news, you know what I mean? The news of the, of, of when 9-11 mm-hmm. happened. And my son looks at me and he goes, so they had color TV then? <laughs> oh, Dane. And I was like, oh. But you know what? When I watched... So we didn't have a TV when 9-11 happened, but it was like they had a TV plugged into the student commons at my university, which was a tube TV as a, 
non sequitur. There was just like a big square TV, like on like one of those travel trucks. Because yeah. remember, like you used to like move media around on like those like the AV club, and it was just plugged in like the center of yeah the AV club. And it was just plugged in to the student commons, and everyone stood around and watched the big box. Yeah. So I mean, it yeah, I mean, I watched nine eleven on my tube TV in my dorm. But. And as Amy's saying, she's like, maybe they should be getting those. <laughs> yeah, like why aren't they getting old TVs? <laughs> Oh my god! I just want to know why they have a TV, and is that all? God, I'm old. Leave me alone. It's my birthday this week. You both suck. I hate you. I feel like TV in prison makes good sense. Sure, it makes good sense. I just so you have to like know that I'm coming off of like just having binged um, part one of Stranger Things season four. And yes, I know that this is a Russian prison, but like, I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of a gulag with a demogorgon versus a TV in a private bathroom, and I'm a little thrown. God, oh god, oh my god. Okay, well I'm just gonna breathe through this one. Well, I mean, I I, I really want to know, like. I want to know what, like, someone who's been to prison in South Korea thinks when they watch um, Prison Playbook. Or if they, you know, I guess I just, I just want to know. Like, we get, we have shows. Okay, so if you've been listening. And you've done, uh, and you've done time in South Korea. You've done hard time, let us. <laughs> I did read about some American service folks who've, like, been in trouble. But that's also separate, too. Yeah. Because, um. The, those were more of like the firsthand stories because like they're in English and you know and so they I read about a few people who had like one had like you know done manslaughter and like drunk driving and killed someone there were some drug charges but when they had gone to South Korean prison um they were kept separate from general population there was like an English area that, that they went sense. into um and so well, and there was so much helpful. room in the so cell. anyway like I thought it was interesting that they had six people in a cell because I feel like that's well, they didn't have the beds to take up the space. Because they just they lay down their mat, their bedrolls. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I get. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you guys are making it sound like it was like the Hilton. <laughs> okay. They had like they had a private bathroom with that was like open air, like with like seven you know they had like a little balcony. Yeah. They had like a little balcony almost. Oh <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm just saying, it's not what I expected. I agree. After the Russian gulag. Yeah. And <laughs> I will say, watching Insider, which is the Kong Ha Nul prison, um, you know, show that's also airing, that. Does he have a TV? Uh, it's more gulag than Prison Playbook, I will say. And there's a right. lot more um, beating up and um, violence that are, is occurring. Right. Okay. It definitely doesn't look like the spot you would go and, like, chill with like your bestie as the guard <laughs> right <laughs> so as always we will start with our non-spoiler section of the drama for anyone who has not watched it and then we will of course let you know when we're diving into it all but truly even if you haven't watched and you listen all the way through this is a drama you can still enjoy even if you know some of the plot because like all dramas that come from this production team it's really about the people and the relationships and the overall heart and we don't have like a big reveal, you know, like, like the reply series do with, you know, like the romances and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think you're good either way, but I get it. If you want to, you know, take a break and go watch when we get to the spoilers, but still, um, 
we'll warn you when that happens. So let's start with familiar faces. Now that we've all watched Reply 1988, and yes, Leah, you get credit for watching all the replies, and yeah, and Hospital Playlist, we're recognizing that there is a familiar cast of characters who always pop up in this team's dramas, from our always lovable and um, maybe leaning a little sexy in this one, Choi Musung, to Sung Dong Il, to Jung Kyung Ho, and more. So who is it? Who is it now that when they pop up on the screen, you immediately get that sort of warm hug of a feeling that lets you know that you're watching a good drama? Or is it a pairing of actors that you just love seeing together? So, I mean, obviously, I love seeing all of the folks that you just mentioned. But for me, always, always, it's going to be uh, Choi Moo Song, hands down. I have it bad for this Opa, and I can call him an Opa, and I love it. <laughs> so, you know, he plays Hick's uh, Sundary Dad to perfection in Reply 1988. And, you know, but he, like, rocks the sweater vest and kind of a bit of a comb-over, whereas... It is. A, yeah, it's a weird hairdo. Yeah, it is. But in Prison Playbook, like, the dude can get it. Shaved head, silver fox... Um, he's an amazing actor and I don't know why I find him so sexy, but I just really, really do. I think it's that, you know, look, I was born right at the, you know, end of 1979. So I think I still do have like a little bit of like that patriarchal kink sometimes (laughs) that can come through with like a silent dude where like the still waters run deep. I don't know, but he does it so well. (laughs) Oh, it's like that, like daddy with like the the kind of like the barrel chest oh it's just everything about it yeah that's like gonna like not talk a lot but like go out in the garage and like look at his tools i don't know i mean (laughs) i find it attractive um but then also on the flip side to that um honorable mention to uh kim sung chul who annoyed both of you in uh our beautiful summer or our beloved summer i always i always call it our beautiful summer it's our beloved summer he is 30 in international age, so he's well above my 28-year-old floor. And I loved seeing him show up here, too. In fact, it was funny because I was watching him, and I'm like, God, I just love this guy. He's so cute. I'm, like, so attracted. Because to he had so character. much personality in this. He was so good. Well, and then it took me, like, a little bit before I'm like, oh, he's that guy. So I fell for him in two separate dramas, not realizing he was the same person right away. Yes, it is because he was more animated in this drama, but I don't care. I still just think he is just a hunk. Oh, spunk. Oh my God. Great. Why is that? I love him. Why is that phrase sticking for you? I know. It is. It's just, he gets the hunk of spunk award for the pod. But I, I, I 100% agree. Like I was so excited when I saw him in this like whole new light. Like I'm a fan now, 100%. Yeah, he's, so good as Jailbird. So look, I was so excited to see my stone cold heart surgeon with a heart of gold play a teddy bear of a prison guard. And I'm looking at you, Jung Kyung Ho. But what really got me was when Jung Moon Sung showed up as Captain Yu's older brother. No spoilers, I promise. Just a character showing up. And Kim Jun Won and Dr. Do were reunited in the same drama. Like nothing tops their unexpected bromance in Hospital Playlist. But I just got that like kind of giddy feeling when I saw them both, you know, in the same drama again, even though their characters weren't, you know, really having much interaction. Like that just made me, it tickled me. And so that's the kind of thing like where I see certain people in the same drama together and it doesn't matter what their roles are and, and what they're doing. It's just, I'm so happy that they're there. Yeah, I so I just now that you brought it up realized that Captain Yu's older brother was Dr. Doe. I like I just didn't even put that together. 
I think because in hospital playlists, he's just, he's Dr. Doe. I know. He's like happy and bright and, and everything. And then in prison playbook, he's like, I'm sad, depressed. I mean, that, that's not a spoiler to say his brother's in jail. He's not happy. Right. right. <laughs> and he's like, really, he's fighting to get his brother um, out of jail. And so he's, he's like crying all the time. So I don't know. I just didn't put it together. Um, but other than that, like, I have to agree with Leah and say Choi Musung. Ah, he's just such a teddy bear. Is. And when he first came on screen, it's kind of typical for these writers. I think they kind of made you feel like he might be kind of a bad guy. Um, and you quickly learn that's like not the case. I mean, he's just, I mean, who doesn't love like essentially a reformed mm. gangster? Cause that's what he is. He's like, um, like a former baddie who wants to live the rest of his years as like a good guy and, yeah, and not and he's and mellowed he, and we didn't. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't and want I other want him to hold him. I want him to hold me to his barrel chest Ugh. on the mat. In God the... is like hairy barrel chest. I love it. <laughs> I just, I like, I hundred percent agree with both of you. Like, there, he had. I mean, I've always loved him, but he had the sex appeal going in prison. He did. So he did. crazy. He did. He though. did. Even like, I thought he was hot as Gunner Jang in um, yes. Mr. Sunshine. Too. Oh yes. But even in this, he's somehow even hotter. He is. Yeah. Like, give me him as like a mature romantic lead, please, God. With me as his finger. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay so before before this drama were either of you a fan of prison shows or movies and has that changed since watching this drama okay so i'm not sure if i like seek out prison entertainment like specifically but when i reflected i was like well i mean i've certainly loved my share ranging from you know the kind of classic movies like the shawshank redemption to the green mile and then i was very very invested in orange is the new black the whole way through and I also am watching Insider, like I mentioned, with Kang Ha Newell, which, you know, is offering a less redemptive and more violent side to South Korean prisons and more corrupt as well. So, I mean, I guess I do find myself drawn to prison as a setting. And when I was reflecting on why, I think some of it is that um, forced proximity is a trope that I think often intrigues me. And you probably can't get like more of a forced proximity than prison. And I think it's also an interesting thing because you have like a forced proximity but then you have all these characters who um you know come from different walks of life different places and we're going to talk a little bit more about gray characters in a bit so i'm not going to get into that but i think that's another appeal for me with like the prison scenario is you know a look at humanity not being like all good or all bad then kind of like forced together um but by the end i also found myself you know i know that there's a lot of folks who talk about that they would like to see a sequel to a prison playbook um, but for me, I think I'd be open to a sequel, but I'd like to see it be a female prison, much like Orange is the New Black. I think that would be actually really interesting. That would be so cool. I would 100% watch that. Yeah, I would love that. Um, okay, so as for me, Prison Break, the American tele- television show, ruled my life from about 2005 to 2008. <laughs> my husband and I were obsessed with it, and we still make references to it like all the time like obnoxiously because there's just so much that show was so there's so much happened i just don't know what it, it got crazy towards the end it was over the top and we absolutely loved it 
So I'm just going to set up the premise because I just, I have to. Let me set up the premise for Prison Break because it's so bonkers. So when an architect's brother is sent to prison for a murder he didn't commit, the architect, played by Wentworth Miller, commits a crime to get sent to prison. And then using blueprints of the prison that he tattooed all over his body, (laughs) he attempts to escape with his brother. But there's like a mysterious company who very much wants them to remain locked behind bars for reasons. And it's like this whole caper with a great cast. And I just freaking loved it. Um, So I watched Orange is the New Black too. Also enjoyed it. I guess I don't like seek it out, but prison is just a huge part of like capers and heists and action movies that I enjoy. I do really love a good, like, futuristic prison, like in Face Off. <laughs> I, had, I was like, she's got to bring up Nick Cage. Yeah. Like, yeah, is, the, is The Rock coming? Like, Yeah, I haven't had... Yeah, anyway, The Rock on Alcatraz? I like that I'm talking about the Shawshank. I love Shawshank. Like, that's one, like that's one of mine. No, I'm talking about those weird future... Like, face off. in Face Off, like, all their <laughs> um, metal boots are magnetic, so they can't escape because the boots they're wearing um they can like lock them to the floor it's like fascinating and then um there's also like the sci-fi prison like chronicles of riddick which freaking loved that crazy weird like underground prison and i actually wrote a prison planet romance for an upcoming romance anthology that's coming out like next month and then um i actually did write about an alien prison in another book kind of uh influenced by that chronicles of riddick like underground like prison pit i was i love it so much so i don't know maybe i just love a good like prison escape you know yeah so i i am not i'm i am not i don't gravitate towards the prison stuff i have seen shawshank and i think shawshank is one of the greatest movies like that there ever was and i love that and um and the green mile too um i never got into orange is the orange is the new black i started watching it and then kind of fell out of watching it um i never watched uh i never watched prison break yeah i was gonna ask if you watched no i but like i know what i know wentworth miller um from some DC, like he's in DC Legends of Tomorrow, so oh, I know him from like superhero God. stuff. Prison Break was so good. <laughs> oh my God! I'm oh, I totally knew. Like I knew the whole premise. Like that's the whole thing. Is like I've I never, never saw it, but it. I knew the whole premise. Like yeah. I knew about the tattoos and everything like that. Oh, um, and and I loved, yeah, I loved like the '90s like movies. You know, like The Rock and and Face Off and stuff like that. I don't like it or dislike it. Like there's nothing about it that I ever kind of really thought about it before. Um, but I do like, like you brought up, Leah, I do like the forced proximity aspect of it because you really kind of get into the nitty gritty of these people's relationships with each other because it's the only people in their lives. Um, so I did like that about this is that, you know, we had like, like we always do in our ensemble dramas, we had a great found family, um, and, and that's one thing that I really love. That's a trope that I love is the found family. And I thought it was done really, really well here. And I thought it was a very uh, appropriate setting to sort of make that happen. Um, will I seek out more prison after this? I don't know, but I won't say no to it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, but I enjoyed this one a lot. So whether or not prison dramas are your thing, the performances in Prison Playbook were pretty great. So which character was a standout for you and why? So... You know, I feel like I'm going to, like, break it up a little bit because I don't want to just, like, keep harping on, like, my same big grizzled Opa horse that I would be on this whole, you know, riding him like a pony around this whole podcast. 
Um, so I'm going to give a shout out to um, Zhang Haiyin, who plays Captain Yu, a soldier accused of killing a fellow soldier who may not be exactly as he seems at like first, you know, at face value. And something that I read that I thought was interesting was that he um, he was written to be kind of a nod to Song Jung Ki's character in Descendants of the Sun. And I'm not totally sure if it's true, but like the vibe checks out, <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, I don't want to get into too much like is he or isn't he murderous, but you know, he is very much um, fresh faced, clean cut and has like that youthful swagger that we also saw in, uh, you know, the lead for Descendants of the Sun. But for me, just as an actor, I feel like um, high in strength is that, you know, I just think that everything I've seen him in from something in the rain to DP to this, um, he's just consistently strong at making these like small moments pack a lot of emotional punch. And I feel like he was no different in this drama. I liked him a lot in this. I really did. Yeah, he, he was great in this because I felt it was different than anything I'd seen him in before as well. Um, so I'm going to shout out Park Hosan as Kong Chuldo. I loved everything about how this character was written. Um, so he was the, like the, they kind of call him the engineer. Um, he was a little bit of a con man. He was a bit silly, sort of smart, smelly. They always talked about how he never wanted <laughs> he to He never bathe. wanted to bathe. Yeah, that was so funny. And, you know, he's a little bit of a ladies man. He'd been married a bunch of times. And he acted carefree a lot, but the direction they took his story really tugged at my heartstrings. <clears throat> And made me tear up. Parko San was also amazing in My Mister. So he's definitely turning into an actor that I really enjoy and who can play a character with a lot of depth. And an mm. another good Silver Fox, too. Oh, he's yeah, so definitely. good. Oh, yes. so I love great. that. I love that. I love his hair. I do. And I really, I loved him in this, too. And I I think that's what it is. Is like nobody in this character was was one note, or in this character, nobody in this drama was one note. And so even people like him who seemed kind of silly with some things, like you know, I loved when he was trying to like MacGyver at the TV so that he could change the channel. <laughs> that was so funny, that but was like funny. yeah, I mean, there's some really serious stuff going on too. So I, I really loved him. So yeah. I'm going with Lee Kyu Hung as Yu Han Yang or Looney. Um, and he is the prisoner who is um, the drug addict. And I, like, it was driving me nuts what I knew him from because I hadn't started watching um, All of Us Are Dead yet, which he's in. I'm like, what do I know him from? Oh, he's from Happiness because he plays cops in both Happiness and All of Us Are Dead, both zombie, oh. both zombie Um Because, like, you know, he's talking in that high voice and I'm like, I don't, you look so familiar to me, but I like, I can't handle that voice. And then I went, you know, looked him up and now I'm watching all of us are dead with my son. And I love that. I'm getting to see this sort of, you know, duality of him in, in different situations, like him playing cops and I'm him playing a prisoner and his, I mean, talk about a character who is definitely not one note and they make him seem like he really can be in the beginning. Um, this character mm -hmm. had a lot of depth um, and I thought had one of the most moving performances by the time we got to the end of the drama. Um, and I just, yeah, I love when I'm watching somebody in two different dramas at the same time and I don't realize it's the same person. Like to me, that shows a really good performance and yeah. So yeah, I, I knew him from happiness and then I started watching all of us are dead and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's who you are. Um, and it's, I mean, he's just a really great performer. And like, I, 
you know, totally, you know, had a crush on him in both, you know, happiness and all of us are dead. Like he's a good looking dude. And then they've got him in this like, you know, goofy voice. And he's always seems like high as a kite. Um, but yeah, some really good depth And I won't give away other things about his character because it'll come up later, but I just, I really, really, his performance stood out to me a lot. His performance, like the comp I would give to it, even though they're different characters, but I think people that played like a character that could have felt more one note, but they gave so much depth to. I know who you're going to say. It reminds me who? You're going to say, it's okay. Yep. <laughs> Ojung say, Ojung Se's uh, performance of Song Tae in It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Yeah. So obviously a different character, different things going on. Um, but I felt as if... Um, I think it was that they, in the wrong hands, the characters could have been, even though I don't think they were written silly, I think that you could have had somebody perform them more silly. Yes, it could have been a caricature and it wasn't. Yes. So yeah, that's a good comp. I like that a lot. And I didn't even think of it until you brought, until you started bringing it up. I'm like, I know who she's going to say, because it's a really good one. But yeah, I mean, just, I mean, it's such a huge cast that it's hard to just single out one person. Like there's just amazing performances in this drama. Well, now it's time for our favorite uh, part of every episode, which is our K-pop rec of the week. And today we have a new recommender, and that is Amy. And she has a not only a rec, but some fun facts that tie into the drama as well. So Amy, why don't you uh, tick her tape out some fun facts? Yay! <laughs> so... I am like excited that like I knew an actor was an idol before you two did. And so I'm talking about Kang Sung Yoon, who played our bread thief Jean Valjean or Jean Valjean, uh, is an idol from the group Winner. And I knew because I just recently saw him in Tomorrow, where he plays a busker. And he was so good that I Googled him and was delighted to see that I can listen to him sing much more beyond his vignette in the drama. So I first, so I loved his singing. I Googled him. I found his group and I listened to some songs. So I was excited when I saw him again in Prison Playbook and decided that I had to wreck a song by Winner with other idols Jin Woo, Sung Hoon, known as Hooney, and Minho. And the song I'm recommending is called Color Ring and it's off their most recent album from 2020, Remember. And it's a moody ballad. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a big fan of moody ballads. But don't worry, we get it. We get a good Hooney rap break, so there, you know, it's not just Moody Ballad the whole time, and it's sort of a stripped down song, not a lot of bells and whistles, which is something that I really like. And it's, you know, it's some Moody idols brooding over lost love. What's not to love about that? So again, this is Coloring by the group Winner with Prison Playbook's very own Jean Valjean or Sung Yoon is how he's known in the idol world. And Megan just let me know yesterday that they have a comeback. Is it this year that it's coming? Yeah, it's like soon. I'm not sure the actual date, but honestly, probably by the time this podcast is airing, it'll be out. I'm also super soon. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, super soon. So look them up. Look them up when you're listening to this podcast. See if it's out. If not, it's coming soon. They're already releasing teasers for the album. So it's like definitely coming. But go ahead and give give Coloring a listen while you're at it, because it's a fun song if you like moody ballads like I do. And that is the group winner. Thank you, Amy. Yay, my first one. I know, I'm so excited. I was a little nervous, actually. I've never done that before. You did amazing. <laughs> you did amazing. Thanks so much. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank. 
at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, glow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so now we're entering the prison playbook spoiler section. Like I said before, I don't think hearing about a lot, any of the plot in this drama will ruin it for you since it truly is a character-driven story, but hop on off for 16 longish episodes if you need to. We'll be here when you get back. So I really liked um, my dramalist's synopsis on this. So here's a bit more detail about the drama and why it's set in prison. So Kim Ji-hyuk, a famous baseball player, is arrested, is arrested after using excessive force while chasing a man trying to sexually assault his sister. Shockingly to him and the rest of the nation, he is sentenced to a year in prison. There he meets his childhood friend and fellow baseball player, Lee Jun-ho, who gave up on baseball after a car accident, but now is a prison guard and one of Ji-hyuk's biggest fans. The drama revolves around Ji-hyuk's time in prison, as well as the prisoners he meets and events that take place there. So let's start with Kim Ji-hyuk's crime. How does this crime parallel much of the message of the drama, which is the idea that no one is all good or bad? So many of our characters, Ji-hyuk included, exist in this gray area. And I thought it was interesting that um, Jun-ho, you know, tells him, don't trust anybody. Everybody here is bad, you know, except you kind of thing. But that's not true. So what did you guys think about this whole exploration of the sort of gray area where a lot of these characters live? So I think morally great characters walking that line of good and evil are some of my favorite types of characters to watch. Um, I think because they make us question societal norms and then off also like kind of ask us to reflect on our own um, morality as well. So, um, you know, Jaehyuk's crime to me at first, it wasn't terribly interesting because it felt a little bit like it was overwhelmingly sympathetic. So I don't know why I come to, I mean, like, I understand why things are structured the way they are. Like, I would probably make similar choices in writing them. So I feel a little bit like a hypocrite when I like wake my finger sometimes. But it was like in um, My Mister, where it was like, you know, the heroine's like story was just like so overwhelmingly, horribly stacked against her. And in this case, like, I was kind of like, well, like, no shit we were going to see this guy like kick the crap out of a wannabe rapist of his sister. Um, but what I did think was a good choice and where I kind of got more curious about like his story was when the would be attack attacker eventually actually like does die of his injuries because I felt like it made um, 
it made the situation feel like more problematic and maybe a little bit more gray. Um, and that excessive force really was a thing. Like, you know, was should it have been a death sentence that he doled out? Like, no, probably not. So I think I was like more invested at that point. Um, but I thought something that was interesting in the drama that kind of like set up the theme for me as well is when um, Lieutenant uh, Peng, who I, he's a character we haven't talked about yet, and he was fantastic as well. Um, you know, when he was at the school and the kids were saying like prison is for bad guys and he has the quote that's, but everyone commits a bad act at least once. And I felt like that comment really like cemented the theme of the show and, um, you know, the underlining intent, intent of the, um, you know, the director writer combo to, um, you know, kind of just like portray this like reflection of humanity. And I thought that was really spot on. Yeah, I did appreciate that his crime fit his personality. Um, there are many ins- instances that show he's kind of this like gentle giant, but when pushed too far, he can he can be impulsively violent. So I appreciate and excessively, too, yeah, excessively, like... yeah. So I appreciate that they didn't try to fill the drama with a bunch of like wrongly accused or like easily excused crimes. Mm. That's a good term. Yeah. And so I get they want us to be sympathetic to the character characters and I was sympathetic to their situations, but there were many that, you know, did deserve to serve time. They, their crimes had victims. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like, and everybody had a different situation. Like we did have a wrongly accused situation We did more than once. We had more than one, right? Cause we had, you know, uh, Dr. Ko, who took the, took the fall. We'll talk about that too. But I, I like that. Like what you said is that we didn't have, not everybody was a hundred percent sympathetic. You know, we even, we even have, you know, Ji-Hyuk finally at the end, like befriending the guy who stabbed him, like that, this idea that people can change, that people aren't always bad or always good. And I do think it was important for our, even though it's an ensemble cast, we do have like Ji-Hyuk as the center, right? Like, so he's kind of, you know, the hero of the story because everything happens because of him. And to have him show us those sort of impulsive, violent moments, because he does, he bottles everything up. Like that time where he goes to the church service because he's told, you know, you can yell whatever you want, you know, while they're singing the hymns and you can like let everything out. And he like you know, puts it off and puts it off. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And finally he just needs to like yell like a big, like fuck you to the world, you know, kind of thing. And it shows that he is the type of guy who keeps everything inside. And I don't know if that's any excuse for, you know, impulsive violence, but it does give us an insight into his character and maybe why these things kind of happen where he just kind of lets it all out with whatever outlet that he has. And in this case, you know, it, it landed him in prison. So, yeah, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. Nobody in this drama is one note. Nobody is a caricature. There is such depth even to our, you know, minor people that aren't, you know, our prisoners. You know, like you brought up Lieutenant Pang. Like everybody has a story and that story informs who they are. And I thought it was really well done in this. And, yeah, nobody is all good or all bad. And I think that's an important message. And it it takes us back into... You know, like I said, I was joking in the beginning that it seemed more, you know, spa than slammer. But there is some good realness going on with these characters. And I really like that. So Jaehyuk has a revolving door of cellmates as he gets transferred from one prison to another, as the same happens for other prisoners. And some cellmates uh, finish serving their sentences. 
So with each character that Jaehyuk encounters, we get another story that shows us that people aren't always what they see. From Jong Bel Jong attempting to steal a piece of bread and then running away with a bread truck, to Dr. Ko being duped by his boss to be the fall guy for an embezzlement scam, to even our guard, who we were just talking about, prison officer Pang, not being the dick he makes himself out to be while everyone else is watching. So whose story did you find to be really powerful once you saw behind the curtain? So I'm going to go back to Chul Du, who I mentioned before, the engineer with the many marriages, because um, he did seem to be kind of a one-note career criminal who would be the com- like the comedic right. relief. But he ended up being a huge source of emotional pain, both like him and for me, like watching it. Um, so he was, you know, pretty disconnected from his son, but he found out that his son needed a liver. Yes, it a it's liver. always a liver. It's always a liver. It's always um, a liver with these guys. <laughs> it's always a friggin' liver. So anyway, um, but he chose to donate or yeah, do- donate? donate part of his liver. Am I say okay, I was like, am I looking for a different word? He chose to donate part of his liver to his son, but the son didn't want to see him. And he basically couldn't they couldn't even let the son know that his dad was donating the liver or the son would have uh rejected it. But he still did it. And there's a scene where they were lying side by side on gurneys in the hospital elevator right before the transplant. And um, you know, Chuldu can't he Chuldu can't like say it's it's me, because then his son would reject the liver and he wants the surgery to go through. He wants his son to live. And I could you could tell he was having so many regrets in that moment. And he was kind of like for once in his life he had to take like a really big responsibility. Cause I think that was part of the problem. He just didn't want to take responsibility for anything. And um, I mean that whole scene really wrecked me i I thought it was well done i i thought that it gave that character so much depth and yeah and then of course i love jean valjean's strive to like change that hit me in the feels and then you have lieutenant pang who had such an amazing heartbreaking backstory and the way he really did come to care for some of his you know prisoners i guess just ah oh, so hard um for me look i think that in any kind of a prison story it's those long timers that always get to me like i th- i think you know without getting into like spoilers if you haven't seen shawshank and you know you should all see shawshank they have an old timer whose story in shawshank i think is like the most poignant um part of that whole movie <laughs> if you know you know i guess um and so you know i'm gonna gravitate again not to my you know my silver fox uh min tool uh played by choi musong and i feel like you know he is in like in the block he's level-headed he is a real leader and you know when it comes to officer pang has this kind of he has a friendship that he's established too that's more than just like a guard and inmate relationship And I feel like he kind of invites the viewers to really believe in the power of second chances and that sometimes people. And he gets a really great second chance. I don't don't know if you mention it later. I don't want to spoil it if you do. Um, I think that Megan talks about it a little bit. Okay. I don't want to spoil it. So that's why I don't, I don't want to spoil it. Um, And I like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going back to, you know, to my guy, to Lee, uh, to Lee Kyu-hung who plays Han Young. And I don't, I say a little bit more about him at the end, but you know, it's, he's not just 
an addict, but he's also somebody like you see his parents and how they treat him and, and how, like, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it and I'm not going to pretend to know the first thing about, you know, dealing with addiction or anything like that. Um, but I, I like that they didn't just give us this guy who couldn't, you know, kick his heroin habit, but then we see, you know, what his personal life is like. Um, and we find out that he's gay and that, um, you know, that's obviously something that is probably not an easy part of his life. And then his parents, like his, his mom is not very forgiving. I love the actress who plays her. Like I love her and everything she's in, but she's very, you know, impatient with him. Um, doesn't really, uh, doesn't have that sort of warm and fuzziness that you need when you're in a situation like him. And it just, yeah, like he could have been a silly character, which he was silly a lot of the time, but he actually has a really, you know, sort of sad backstory, a sad outlook um, and a very sad ending, which I'll yeah, talk about ask, later. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. I talked about that later. So, yeah. yeah. Cause that's just, I, it just yeah, really, it, it really hit me. Cause, yeah. Cause I, I was glad, I mean, I was glad for it in the sense that, everything's not tied up in a neat little bow at the end of this drama, which it shouldn't be. It's about prison, right? Like we can have like the fun and games that we do, but what I do like is that we have this, you know, sort of realism in the ending that, you know, not, not everybody's going to have a happy ever after a happy ending. Um, Let's talk romance. Uh Cause there is a little bit of that going on here. Ji-hyuk and, and Ji-ho are an interesting couple. She's the daughter of his late coach and much younger than him. He watched her grow up, watched her date other men, and then finally realized he had feelings for her and she for him. But the drama starts with them secretly being broken up. She doesn't want to upset his mom and sister when he goes to jail by letting them know, hey, I'm not his girlfriend anymore. So she keeps coming to see him. Um, and she uses that as an excuse in the beginning, that your mom and your sister don't know we broke up. But obviously there's still some feelings there. They argue and give each other the cold shoulder, yet we are treated to a multitude of flashbacks that show the sweet aspects of their relationship, like Jiho having a terrible cold and being too sick to get medicine, and Jihyuk rushing home from being on the road with his team just to bring her medicine while she's sleeping. So do we ship this couple? Why or why not? Because I know that there are some of us in this room that have feelings about age differences, so I'm wondering... Oh. Yeah, well, obviously, no, yeah, no, I'm not one of, one of those. No. So, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm wondering a lot about how Maggie yeah, felt about the age difference, but just the couple in general. What do you think? Yeah, I'll just really touch on the fact that, yeah, age difference here didn't bother me. I don't even think it was that big of an age in difference. In real life, they're really? like 13 years apart, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, whatever. I felt like he plays it too. I thought that they made a good choice in how they play it where like he is kind of the clueless Opa, which I also am like, God, are they really just that? Is he just (laughs) (laughs) like at the beginning? Like she's clearly vibing and you're like, I know like here I am picking you up. (laughs) But I also kind of like when you like, I, I like the thing that even if I don't know if I fully believe it of the idea that like, you're totally in love with someone without admitting it to yourself. I'm always a sucker for that. So I shipped the couple, but for me, it was just that the fact that so much of it was told through flashbacks, because really, I mean, he's in prison. (laughs) Um, I think it kept me at a bit of an emotional distance. Like, I don't feel like I had the romantic payoff that I have 
had in like the reply book or the reply shows or hospital playlist by any stretch. Um, so I should say, first of all, I didn't, the, the age difference wasn't even a thing mainly because it wasn't like she was in, she wasn't wearing a bow tie in a school uniform for three years. What about though? But what, I mean, what about like flashbacks? Like when they got into the accident with the coach and she and her mom are visiting him at the hospital and she's like a child. But they, they weren't having a romance then. I know. Well, I know they weren't having a romance. <laughs> that's I know. why. If, if they would have started having a romance with her and his book, <laughs> I, I would have been like, all right. But they started the romance when she was like in college. So to me, that was fine. Um, and anyway, I actually really love them. I don't know what it was about. I, I think I thought, see, I actually found the flashbacks to be kind of smart because it was essentially a way to get a romance into a prison drama yeah because how else you can do it it's the only way and and i thought maybe there just Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be any romance like i actually didn't expect one at all i didn't think that that's what this was going to be about so i guess i was like pleasantly surprised and i liked how they started the flashbacks from like the beginning so i felt like i Mm -hmm. i followed the trajectory the trajectory the project trajectory with a t (laughs) with a t i followed the trajectory of their romance (laughs) And I love that. I really, really did. I, I just, I was really rooting for them. I loved the way that she understood him better than anyone. And so she knew exactly how mm-hmm. to get him to pick up a baseball again. Cause there's one point where he's like, I'm quitting baseball. And she's like, she basically tells yeah. Jun Ho, this is what you have to do. <coughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. And then he was having a pitching slump and she says to Jun Ho, this is exactly what you need to do. He's simple. And and Juno's like okay, and it got him out of. <laughs> he is, he is. not in a bad way. No. I mean, and I just absolutely well. adored that she got him, and she still loved like she loved him still, like she loved, him. like mm-hmm. she didn't think he was simple, but I just mean she was like you need to think like him. No, no, I mean you can love so he's a he's, simple. He, I mean but he's clueless. He's he's clueless. He's a sim- yeah. He. Yeah, and he's a simple man, but that's okay. It doesn't mean he's no. One note, and right? I just loved how she understood him. It just it, it it. I was like, I was like, she is. It's true. Person. I mean, look, there was She's no other way person. to do it. Like, I fully believe the that they, they were it. meant to be together yeah. and that they were soulmates. And so, and even like, I mean, the few kisses they had, I was like, okay, chemistry. Like, I was really, I was really into it. Really, really, really. So, yeah, I loved it. I did like them, and I, I've been a Crystal fan since I saw her in Airs. I really like her a lot. And I'm kind of with Leah where I, I had a bit of an emotional distance with them. I didn't mind the age difference. That doesn't bother me. You know, I'm a goblin stan. Like, bring it on. Like, I don't care. Um, I just, yeah, I didn't connect with it as much, I think, as I would have if it was happening in, in real time. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think this was a genius way to put a romance in a prison drama. Um, I like both the actors. I'm happy that they were happy at the end. Um, but yeah, it, I didn't have like my heartstrings pulled by them. Which is okay. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I just, I did, man. I don't know. I just loved them. I loved the whole drama, but yeah. So let's move on to the secondary romances. Which was your favorite? Jun Ho and his bestie sister, Ji Hee. Han Yang and his boyfriend Ji Wan, Jun Dol and his baseball crush on his brother's BFF, <laughs> Keist and his six wives. Uh, that's that's Chuldo. Uh, who do we yeah. ship the most? I mean, I'm a sucker for best friend's little sister. I loved that, like that romance. I was totally here for. So, 
that's just, that's a trope that I love. And I thought it was so super cute and sweet. And I just, I loved uh, June Ho being this, you know, just this big mushy teddy bear, like the whole way through, like even as a prison guard, like he was just such a teddy bear and such a teddy bear with um, Ji Hyuk's sister. And, and really, I mean, like, also knowing that she just, you know, all of this is happening because she was sexually assaulted. And so there is some good consent stuff going on, like when he wanted to kiss her and asked if it was okay. And I was like, oh, like he is, he is the one. Loved it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm going, I'm never going to not cheer for that trope as well. And I honestly, I liked this one a lot better because he also has the same trope in Hospital. Oh my God, he does! Oh yeah, uh, my gosh! (laughs) Joan Wan. (laughs) I just realized that. But I I liked this one. Yeah, I do too. I do too. (laughs) But I like this one better. Um, I think it's cuter, it's sweeter. um, And, you know, I mean, like... Yeah, I don't. If you have, if you want to hear our hospital playlist thoughts, you can think on that one. I mean, their relationship in that one, like, I wasn't like a hard no on it, but I didn't ship it as much as this one. This is, this is the OTP one true pairing for me. <laughs> there are also some really good friendships in this drama. The main one is obviously Jay Hook and Jun Jun Ho, both who started as baseball players who get into a tragic car accident when they are young losing their coach and both taking different paths from there. Jun Ho, we find out, is the one who had natural talent but chose to give the sport up, whereas Jae Hyuk always had to struggle and work extremely hard to be good. It provides a really great dynamic for the friendship, especially as now one is in prison, possibly facing the end of his career due to a shoulder stabbing, and the other is doing everything in his power to make sure he doesn't quit baseball. What was your favorite part of their relationship? So I think this friendship hit me in the feels a little bit because, you know, we all personally like bring things to what we emotionally react to, or at least I do sometimes. And for me, I felt like, you know, at my 20 year high school reunion, I, you know, more closely reconnected with my um, high school friends. And since then, it's been really fantastic. I think there's something really safe and even like healing with relating with people who've just known you for a long time. And we started doing like trips once a year together. I mean, not many. I mean, I haven't been in high school that long. But, you know, like in the couple of years since our reunion, we've done a couple of trips together. And then during COVID, we did these like bi-monthly Zoom dates. And it was really special. Now we have like a text chat. You know, we talk on it a couple times a month. And um, and so I think for me, one element that I liked, we talked we talked about really quickly, like that best friend um you know, little sister dynamic. So I love that those, these two guys are probably going to become a family together, like an official family, not just a phone family through marriage. And I really love the scene where Jun Ho kind of just like slides in that confession that he's been dating Hyuk's sister for five months. And I think it's like playful and Hyuk is sort of like WTF, but it's mm-hmm. not like so toxic dude, you know, like I feel like he is kind of happy. But for me, really like this show the most powerful f- scene with them to me was when um, Juho is the one who announces Hyuk's release mm. and like opens up the door and like, you know, is like you're released. And then yeah. like, you know, you just see Hyuk standing there like taking it in and he's like, what do you do? Like, come on, get out. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. So, um, but yeah, that, that to me like really sticks out probably as like one of my favorite scenes in the whole drama. 
Yeah, I mean, Junho was so like pure and selfless, truly. It was wonderful that, for me to have such a great core friendship to the drama because I think it really set the tone. Um, and just the friendship provided great comic relief and gave the viewer a chance to get to know Jae Hyuk better because you could see him through the eyes of someone who knew him so well. Um, and just the whole like setup of that, it reminded me a little bit of I Am Not a Robot, where Jian was able to leave Kim Min-Kyu's mansion every day and exist in the real world. So the drama felt more rounded and not isolated. And that's how I felt about giving Jun Ho kind of like so much screen time and his own like romance outside of the prison. Cause it just, it didn't make, I think, I think the drama could have felt really claustrophobic if it was just in prison all the time. So I really loved, I don't remember which episode it was, but there's one episode where it's sort of like, you know, the cold open type of thing where it's just like a scene before, you know, the opening uh, credits or whatever, where it looks like Jun Ho is just going through like random mundane stuff that happen in a day, like eating short ribs and, you know, stuff like that, that like you kind of wonder like, what's the point of all this? Cause nothing gets said about it. He just has this day and the day ends with him bringing flowers to Ji Hyuk's sister and she cries because she cries a lot in this drama because she feels very guilty, which is totally understandable. And then that's that. And you don't find out till much later that we get, you know, to a flashback of how that sort of day came about. And it was that Ji Hyuk gave him a list of just like stuff that he he couldn't do. So he wanted Junho to do them. And so he did all these things for his, I mean, like, come on. On your day off, you just had like a stressful job as a prison guard. And you're doing this whole list that your friend gave you. I mean, so sweet. Oh, seriously. And I feel like that was like the show. I really did appreciate sometimes how you would like find out, like, you know, you'd go through something and then it would kind of like pull the rug out from under you a little bit. Um, and it never felt manipulative. It always just felt kind of like, oh, this is like investing me in the storytelling. And I even thought that happened with like how we meet Jun Ho at first. Obviously, like they wanted that to be like a surprise setup. Yes. Like the mom in the taxi, like going to see her son in prison. And the taxi driver's <laughs> like, oh, you poor, poor woman, you know. And she's like, got the food. And she's like, I want to give it to my son. And they're all like, what? Like, you can't like bring food to the person. And then it like her son's a guard. And you're like, oh, but like, even that, like, I felt like it didn't feel cheap. It felt like fun storytelling. Yeah. And it, I think it was smart. Like, I thought it was really smart because it was just this sort of like random quiet opening to the show of just like Jun Ho just doing stuff that you do in a day. And you find out that he was doing it all for Jihyuk. And that just melted me yeah. melted me god he is so sweet and cute so secondary friendships there are oh so many <laughs> which was your favorite so absolutely Minchul and jean valjean so these two killed me a lot like i just i love them so much sometimes they're, they were almost like they almost reminded me of like i don't know like 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 a like a monkey and a, like a, and like a little monkey because they would almost like groom each other you know what I mean like they would like pick their each other. I don't know I just love them so much um Minchul went to prison for killing another gang member and with him was also a younger member of his gang and so that man ended up getting the death penalty and that younger member was very much 1997 <laughs> yeah so that younger member was very much like a friend of his he kind of took him on under his wing and so the fact that he didn't 
do anything to kind of help protect this younger man and he ended up losing his life you know from from the death penalty um i think he had a lot of regrets uh, over it and had a lot of time in prison <laughs> to think about it so he really he absolutely projected onto john valjean because he saw so much in him that he saw in his in his late friend and i think he wanted jean valjean to have a much different ending than his friend did and jean valjean called him like dad he did i was gonna say he called him uh, dad all the time yeah. and it just you know and he was like i'm not gonna forget you i'm not gonna forget you and minchul's just kind of like look i've i've kind of almost mentored a lot of guys in prison over the years they all say that they never come back to visit you know, I never see them again. It's okay. And he expected that it, that the that's the way it would be. But he doesn't really say that to Valjean. He says that to other Correct. People. I don't feel like he like burdened Valjean with that. Correct. Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's like, you, you think that you'll come visit me. It's fine. Just go ahead and think yeah. that. He's like, yep, yep. You come visit yeah. me, whatever. But then he leaves and you know, that's when you know, he's like, yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah. And so at the end, except at the end, <laughs> well, yeah. when Minchul is finally released, um, Jean Valjean and Minchul's, you know, daughter, which has a whole nother thing. Um, they were waiting for him at the, at the, at the release gates. And, and, and like Jean Valjean's like, I have money. I'm like working as a welder. I can like, you can live with me. Like the whole thing was just like, oh my God, he really is there. And it was just, oh, I love that friendship so much. Yeah. So I basically have the same, so I'm not going to get into it too much. I think the one thing I'll just add was the fact that he did come back and visit. Yeah. And that was a, one yes. of my other yeah. favorite scenes. That too. He was that back. when he did come back and, you know, he's talking to his quote dad, you know, dad, and he's, you know, he, and you can just see like Minchul's like worrying over him. Like, what's wrong with your hands? Like, are you fighting? What are you doing? And he's like, no, I'm being, you know, I'm trying to be a welder. And he's like, oh, you're saving money to like get the girls. And he's like, no, I'm saving money to get a place for us to live. I know. Oh my God. And I thought that was like the one. And then when he, he, he basically just says like, you know, like I never once forgot about you. And you see Minchul be like, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold and in. Like, yeah. Oh, our God, big bear. Like, you know, and you, yeah. When you've got it's the big so bear. Sweet. And you, you so can just sweet. see that they're like throats. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's never going to not kill me. Mm -hmm. And I also like when Jean Valjean like does steal the guy's like wallet, you know, like he almost does go bad. And you do see, I mean, like they do lean a little bit into like, you know, Les Miserables a little bit, but you know. I mean, the bread. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I don't believe that, you know, he would have taken it and like lets him actually like he does get released. That was a good choice. I'm glad that he was freed. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I, I think, the best one. So I'm going with, like, a, a little, a smaller one. And it's one that I kind of already brought up in the beginning. But it is towards the end when um, when Ji Hyuk befriends Dolmani, who's, like, the henchman who stabbed him in the other prison, um, and asks him to be his catcher. And you, I mean, this guy is a little bit one note. Yeah, he is. But I, I think what we him. get from his, I know, I know, like, he just wants a, he just wants to belong. Yeah. Like he just wants. He just wants to be part of the yeah. group. Is really what part it is. The and they spend. They, like I love that they spend. Like when he come when he comes to the prison because of course you know the baddie who stabbed you comes to be like your new cellmate or whatever. Mm-hmm. When he comes to the prison and everybody spends like all of their all of their free time making sure that he doesn't attack Ji Hyuk again and then finally Ji Hyuk's like you should be my catcher. 
And all of a sudden, like, he's just, he's there, not just for Ji-hyuk, but he's there for the whole group. Like, when the other baddies, like, take him on, like, it's just, it's cute. It's sweet. And it is this idea that, you know, that, that everybody does have a story, even if we don't really know his story. And that sometimes it just takes a little bit of kindness to, you know, to, to turn things around a little bit. So, yeah, he doesn't get stabbed again. It's really nice. <laughs> He's part of the group, and I just thought it was really cute and sweet. So, you know, at the beginning, there were some jokes that, you know, the prison was maybe a little bit more, like, resorty, or at least too much, like, a very uh, robust talent competition. Um, <laughs> but, you know, by the end of the drama, we do get some good doses of realism. So for the two of you, like, what are some parts of prison life that were not sugar-coated, and how did this balance well with the humor and camaraderie? So here's where I'm going to get to, to Han Young's uh, ending. So, cause we do get to see what happens when everybody gets released from prison and he does not have a happily ever after he is set up and relapses at the end. And it was awful, but realistic to see an addict choose the high over freedom and love. Like his parents and his boyfriend are waiting for him. And he's sitting in this car with this other guy in the back seat who like puts a needle on the center console and is just like, it's your choice. And he puts his hand on the door and he, you know, he keeps going to like, I should just open the door. Like he doesn't even say anything. You just know what's going in his head. Like I should, that's what I should be doing. I should open this door. And he looks back and forth at the needle and finally just rolls up his sleeve, shoots himself up immediately cops come knocking on the door. It was a total setup, which is awful in and of itself. I think it would have been awful enough to just see him like go back to drugs and not have to like, you know, immediately go back to jail right Right. then and there. Like it was like, it was over the top awful, but it was also realistic. The fact that, you know, we, we saw, we saw a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, you know, behind the scenes with all of our characters and stuff. But I think what we also saw was that he was incarcerated, but nothing was done to, you know, sort of rehabilitate his addiction. And that's something I feel like was a bit of a myth. Like, I think I would have liked to have seen the show make a little bit more of a statement on like, when we're looking at active drug users and like criminalizing that, obviously that's a whole conversation. And I don't feel like the show, I feel like the show went to like the tragedy of addiction but stayed away from kind of making judgment calls of should we even really truly be incarcerating these people because it makes no rather sense. than helping them right yeah yeah it was like um, poor guy was like sick for most of the, the whole time yeah and I mean like using drugs is so different than uh you know killing someone Bludgeon, in the game somebody yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean I totally agree I really do I just wish that. It was like everyone got at least like a happy for now or kind of or like happy-ish ending. And then it was like the one queer character just gets like a soul-crushing right. tragic ending. Right, yeah. So it's not just being the drug addict that you get it. It's yeah. the drug so I was right. like, right. you know, I, know. I, I would know. say that was my one thing about the drama. It's not that I didn't, I totally did find it realistic. It just wish... It wasn't the queer character. It wasn't you know the queer character. Totally. totally. I almost, yeah. I wish, you know, and one of the other characters was was queer and so he could have you know, that was the only thing that that bugged me um about the drama, but I mean, what are you going to do? 
Like, I mean, I can't change the writing. So it, it is right. what it is. But I, yeah, that was just a bummer. Man, he deserved better. He did. <laughs> he deserved he did. better than being sick for like the whole drama. Poor guy. So, yeah. And like, and I agree. Like, he, was, he, was, he was also, and he was, I mean, he was also like, you, you saw that he wasn't like an, like he was a smart guy. He was very, very insightful. Guy. When he won he the, when he won the trivia. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. The, when he won the trivia because they gave him like the cold medicine or whatever. Oh my God. Which doesn't make any no, sense doesn't. to me at no, all. I mean like the, the prizes, that's a whole other, I was like, how much am I going to wave the finger for the prize? I know. Given, but... I, I, I know. I know. So it is, that's yeah, what I'm saying. It's like, medicine. Jesus you know. Christ. Wow. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that everybody in a prison drama, I don't think that everybody should get right. a happily ever after, but I do, I do agree with you, Megan, that, and I don't, I don't, I'm hoping it's not intentional that it's the queer I character know. who gets the short end of the stick, but it was the queer character who got the short end of the I stick. Know. That was, that was like a big bummer for me, but, but I mean, it was like everything else about the drama made me, made me happy. I, even though it's set in prison, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you need to get off your chest about prison playbook um two things one and this is where megan and i have a difference of opinion so i think it's good is look i liked the drama but i didn't like it as much as hospital playlist or the replies which you know we can talk about in a second because i have one other thing i want to get off my chest too which is um oh god i just blanked on his name what's the lead's name jay hook or parquet yeah but like his parquet sue is Parquet Sue, you know, has like skyrocketed to like international game um, fame, skyrocketed to international fame after being Sangwoo in Squid Game, which, you know, Megan and I talk a lot about Squid Game, like in our own offshoot podcast. But what I thought was interesting is that he plays, he plays a somewhat similar role in both, but with very different internal motivations. And so I thought it was just interesting that like in squid game he ultimately is not heroic at all but is kind of seen as like a success and kind of like you know very like still in like he's he's an actor who doesn't offer a lot but then he's very powerful in his own right so i guess i just wanted to like get off my chest that i felt like he played both characters i thought somewhat similarly yet completely differently and i think that that's just like an interesting like side note as well yeah so like did you think that too megan i was just curious like you know i just felt like how he like they're totally different characters but his performance was slightly similar but not in a way that just makes me think he's one note right no i completely get it because they both kind of were repressed yeah um but and they both were seen as like a like a success but i think park i think jay marked in some ways yeah jay hook i think treated that success a little bit simpler um and like he i think he saw as he was only competing with himself where i feel like heisu did think he was like competing with everyone else i mean he was in squid game but like it's hard to explain but i do agree i think that also it yeah and i think it's just interesting to see somebody be the hero of a story and then the absolute villain of a story right and see like the choices that they make. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to in unpacking this. Totally. Is that like I felt like the the choices were slightly similar, but, and I think this is like a compliment that I'm trying to ultimately get at. Yeah. Is, like they 
even though they were subtle because it's like a repressed kind of introverted character they both like even though the writing obviously takes them on a different place like the performances take them in a different place even though there's like not a huge amount of difference between them like it just shows how much sometimes just really small moments and little choices that you can make can really just like add up i no, i i do agree i do agree i i i mean I loved Parquet Sue in Squid Game, and I talk about him in our podcast, how much I loved his character. I thought his character was fantastic. A great yeah, kind was of- probably the best performance yeah. of Squid Game. Almost. I actually yeah. think it was, yeah. I mean, but mm. the, you know, the way he played that villain, and then I, I loved him in Prison Playbook, and I think that's why I liked it so much. Um, I mean, I really, truly loved this drama. I liked it more than Hospital Playlist and the replies, and I think- I think it was because it was a little less slice of life and had more of like a, a, a like a cohesive storyline. And again, I'm not saying that in a negative way. No, it's way. like his year in prison. It's his year in yeah, prison. Yeah, it's his year in prison. <laughs> so there's like, it felt like, yeah, like, and, you know, I, the stakes were really high too. Like there were high stakes and they, there was a, there was a lot going on and I really did. I loved that there was kind of one main character being the focus of the whole drama and everyone sort of orbited around him instead of like a core cast. I, I, I don't, I like core cast, but I kind of always in a way want like a main character to kind of carry it. And not all actors I think can do that, but Parque So as Jay Hyuk absolutely carried this drama for me on his like broad muscled shoulders. I mean, he just, I loved his character. I loved his character so much. I found his character so fascinating because he appears really simple, but yet he's also like pretty cunning. He thinks ahead. Like there are a lot of moments where you think in prison playbook, like he's been beat kind of by the baddies, like figuratively or figuratively, figuratively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you realize like he kind of saw this coming. He had plans in place and actually he's the winner. And, you know, I, I just, I just kind of loved it because to, to a degree then as I'm watching it, I'm like, Ooh, I know Jay Hook's got something planned. I can't wait to see what he's got planned. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but I think that's good for like, if you're a viewer too, of like, what are you going to gravitate for? Because I think like, if you like it, you're going to, I mean, I think you're going to like all, like, there's a very, very, uh, clear point of view that these characters yeah oh, vibe like the 100%. humor mixed with some seriousness you know like you're gonna get that when you get this, oh yeah you know this director and writer combo but but yeah i think it's interesting yeah. to see where do you fall out in terms of like where where do you actually end up like having like your favorites being and i think you unpacked why prison playbook for some people is going to resonate more and it's probably a lot to do with what you just said yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I think I said when, when I started watching it, I'm like, guys, it's like prison. It's like hospital playlist, but in prison. I mean, it was very clear to me that the writing, it's not, it's not that simple, but I just mean what I meant was the writing felt so similar in a mm-hmm. good way. It felt, it still feels fresh. They have a voice, mean, which is really fun. And I think as writers, yeah, you appreciate, like you feel I the love voice it. of the, um, you know, of to, to a degree, I almost feel like I trust the writing team. Like I yeah, kind of trusted them a little bit. They really, it's one of those things like where you're like, you see their names. You're like, this is going to be good. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think honestly, they only let me down with Looney's ending. That's like the only yeah. thing that really, they let me down everything else. And it wasn't because it was a sad ending again. It really was because, you know, right. I was upset with the queer character, but yeah. um, I, yeah, I just, I just kind of do. I trust the team. I like their humor. I feel like they really write with so much heart. And like I said, I could have watched, could have watched Parquet Sue strut around in his, uh, 
tight baseball pants for like several more. Extreme bowl cut? His extreme bowl cut? That's hilarious because I remember like when we did the My Mister episode and there was the review that was like, I could have watched 10,000 of these. And I was like, no, I was done. Yeah, and that's how I feel with play- by the end of Prison Playbook. I felt done. That's why I know I liked it less than you did, even though I really liked it. Is I was done at the end. I was like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm good. Goodbye. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, and see, at the end of Hospital Playlist, and, and uh, I, I reply, I was kind of done. But again, I liked both of them, so I do think Hospital Playlist is my favorite. I think that's my favorite. I do think it it is kind of yeah. If you're gonna gravitate towards what I do then I think but either way like I liked all of them that's yeah. the thing so it's not like I'm like I, it, I do really well, like the writing 1988's my favorite but I was glad it was done when it was done too because I felt like the story was finished whereas Prison Playbook I'm like I've had enough like I'm ready and I also think I've mentioned and you know well we can pivot pretty soon to like what else are we doing and what else are we watching I think that I've also pivoted to I was wrapping this up kind of at the beginning of like the Supreme Court decision of like Roe v. I was just kind of like, look, I need to start to get into a different headspace yeah. and I need to get out of like the justice there. system and I want to be like in so happy. Speaking, like, speaking of happy, I just wanted to mention like two quick things because we didn't talk a lot about the comedy. So I just wanted to bring up two things that I thought were like really funny. And one was, so Leo, you brought it up in the beginning, like that Minchul, like you think that he's going to be this like big baddie and it looks like he's planning like to kill somebody in the beginning. And really they're planning to have the, their like delivery guy, a little, you know, the prisoner who brings them all their like, you know, treats and stuff like that, beat the shit out of the water heater, like lock so that they can make the water hot and make ramen. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that's it. You, they, they, they think you're, he, you think he's like planning a prison escape or he's going to beat some up and it's really they're right, they're hot, hot water. And the <laughs> other thing that I thought was hilarious is when um, Jay Hyuk is trying to rehabilitate from his stabbing and his like, you know, losing feeling in his hand and he's getting back to pitching and stuff like that. And he can throw the ball, but it's not making it as far as it's supposed to go. And then all, all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm actually left-handed. <laughs> Like, it's like made me think very much of like the Princess Bride, you know, where Inigo's like, you know, I know something you don't. I am not left-handed, um, and he was basically an ambidextrous pitcher. So I thought that was funny. Who's got a book rec to go with this drama? So we're gonna recommend Hard Time by Kara McKenna. So I have read this. It's actually, honestly, one of my favorite romance books. I love it a lot is about a woman who is a librarian at a prison and so she meets one of the prisoners and look he's not innocent although his crime is actually very similar to jay hyuk's crime um it's actually very similar yeah (laughs) so what's really cool about this romance is their whole it it's they're really they mostly communicate through letters so um there's really no like physical romance until um he's released um but the 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 letters are so sexy and so emotional and who it's it's like a really really hot book yeah it's a really great book uh, extremely sexy and so it's called hard time by kara mckenna I will be going up to Queensland. I'm hopping on a plane tomorrow and I am going to be uh, having some fun in the sun for a while. And when we come back together, I will be at the Great Barrier Reef. So I'll be potting from the Great Barrier Reef in two weeks. Well, until then, thanks for listening, everybody. Annyeong. 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 
you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong!